Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia Saturdays. Today is Saturday, August 26th, 2017. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. This evening we are going to discuss the wake of Charlottesville, the aftermath. It's been two weeks now since the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. It took my wife and I over a week just to get home. And we will have Mike Delaney of Profink.org here to discuss this with us. In 1789, a group of white and predominantly Christian men of general Northern European extraction, ethnic extraction, left us a constitutional republic which they themselves had asserted was for us and our posterity, according to their own words. This was a concrete position which constituted the very fabric of the fledgling republic. In 1866, Congress and the courts began to erode the republic by ignoring the fact that it was formed exclusively for the posterity of the founders, which is their offspring, This was a political situation, not a concrete position. This was a political situation, and not everyone appreciated the circumstances. It had opposition then, and it has opposition now. In fact, nine states refused to ratify the 14th Amendment in 1866 and 1867. And the state legislatures in Oregon, Ohio, and New Jersey rescinded their initial ratification votes in 1868. So it was far from being universally popular. Likewise, seven states refused to ratify the 15th Amendment in 1869 and 1870. So the passage of the 14th and 15th Amendments was the result of political circumstances. These amendments do not represent concrete moral truths, but rather they represent the outcome of political circumstances which for one reason or another had led to the prevalence of certain opinions at that particular time, and in spite of the fact that they are contrary to the original Constitution. Political opinions and circumstances are fluid, People cannot be forced to agree with them, and they can change or they can be changed by the will of the people. Immigration and the preservation of the original culture of the Christian European founders of this republic have been political debates ever since the 19th century. But they have never before been characterized as hate. The issue of non-white immigration was heavily debated as recently as the 1920s, and it was never characterized as hate. At that time, there was an immigration law which created quotas based on the demographics of the nation as they were recorded in the 1890 census. And that had already passed as law, in 1921, and that law was renewed in 1922. After continued debate, 
the Immigration Act of 1924 was passed, which was also known as the Johnson-Reed Act. This act retained the ethnic quota system, which was never challenged in the debates for that act, and completely excluded immigration from Asia, and limited annual immigration to 2% of those nationalities of which the Republic was already comprised. In addition, there was a literacy test which was administered to prospective immigrants, and failure meant that one would be barred from entering the country. So you not only had to be white, you had to be smart. According to an article on the website for the United States Justice Department, in all of its parts, the most basic purpose of the 1924 Immigration Act was to preserve the ideal of United States homogeneity, meaning ethnic homogeneity. None of these politicians from the 1920s who sought to maintain the ethnic homogeneity of the United States so as to preserve their own culture were ever called haters by their contemporaries. It is not hate to exclude people of alien cultures in the desire to preserve one's own culture. But neither did these politicians who prevailed in 1924 seek to outlaw contrary opinions. So the act was revised by Congress in 1952. And only with the prevailing and more liberal opinions of the 1960s did a change in immigration trends happen with any substantial significance. However, what happened in the 1960s was also due to political circumstances. The prevailing views on immigration are not concrete moral values. They are opinions which can change or be changed by other circumstances or conflicting experiences. But today, this desire for exclusivity, which was at one time considered normal, is now in certain circles considered hate. There are people who seek to do away entirely with borders, who also control most of the influential elements of the media. And they have now set themselves up as moral authorities who may define what hate is. And they seek to outlaw anything which they themselves label as hate. So they build a slanted narrative. They claim to be the guardians of their own moral standards and then use that narrative to pressure companies and individuals to conform with their artificial standards. This allows them to use the force of law to enforce their own political opinions. By allowing the politically motivated to define what is hate and what is wrong, we have invited tyranny upon ourselves, and now we are subject to it. We are being forced to conform to a new moral standard. 
standards which are contrary to our natural desire to perpetuate our own culture. But what law says that we should be compelled to comply with moral standards that have been defined by certain groups to suit their own political objectives? We will not comply. Wikipedia, such an innocuous source as Wikipedia, under an article on self-determination, says that the right of people to self-determination is a cardinal principle in modern international law, binding as such on the United Nations as authoritative interpretation of the Charter's norms. It states that people, based on respect for the principle of equal rights and fair equality of opportunity, have the right to freely choose their sovereignty and international political status with no interference. The article later quotes Woodrow Wilson in a speech he gave on the concept of self-determination on February 11, 1918. National aspirations, he said, must be respected. People may now be dominated and governed only by their own consent. Self-determination is not a mere phrase. It is an imperative principle of action. And then later in the same article we read this. Criteria for the definition of people having the right of self-determination was proposed during the 2010 Kosovo case decision of the International Court of Justice. One, these are the criteria, traditions and culture. Two, ethnicity. Imagine that. Three, historical ties and heritage. Four, language. Five, religion. Six, sense of identity or kinship. Seven, the will to constitute a people. And eight, common suffering. They are the criteria given by the International Court of Justice in 2010. We don't think that we're going to gain justice with these lofty principles. We only repeat these things to demonstrate the abject hypocrisy of the liberal American establishment, which bombed Kosovo to achieve those objectives which bombed Serbia to achieve those objectives. I'm sorry. So it should be obvious that the claims that we must be multicultural, the claims that we must be inclusive of people of all races, religions, and traditions are not grounded in moral concrete, not even according to United Nations standards. And they are actually political claims which can even find themselves in conflict with the trends of international law throughout the 20th century. And since the claims that we must be multicultural are mere political claims, then the Constitution of the American Republic must be construed to protect the speech of those who oppose them. In fact, the First Amendment never excluded hate speech because there was no such thing as hate speech until the recent development of the concept as a method by which to prevent 
any serious political opposition to the current liberal establishment. The Southern Poverty Law Center is just one of the leaders opposing free speech on the Internet and promoting the idea that so-called hate speech must be prohibited. But any political opposition to the liberal tyranny now being imposed by both of the mainstream political parties is now being classified by them and by the rest of the political left as hate. Once it is accepted that such political opposition is hate, there is no end to the relativism that enables the labeling of diverse ideas as hate, and all political opposition may be crushed, forcing everyone to conform to the preconceived standards of the left. Now, the SPLC and other factions of the liberal media are taking advantage of the false narrative which the liberal media itself had developed in the wake of the recent events in Charlottesville. To encourage as many tech companies as possible to fight internet hate speech. Recently, they published an article which boasts of their success in this area, which is titled, Silicon Valley has a reputation as a liberal place, but it was a critical partner in the deadly Unite the Right rally that cost a counter-protester her life. Of course, this counter-protester, out playing in traffic on such a dangerous day, is not being blamed for putting herself at risk. So now the SPLC and other leftist groups have been pressuring various internet services companies not to do business with the alt-right or other right-wing opposition voices on the internet, lest they be liable for partnering with haters. We wonder if Jeffrey Dahmer's dentist could be considered partners in his, a partner in his serial killings. We wonder if David Berkowitz's rabbi was a partner in his serial killings. We wonder whether Hertz rental car or the Buffalo Bills were partners in the murder of Nicole System Simpson because O.J. Simpson was on their payroll. We wonder if United Airlines was a partner in the events of 9-11 simply because of the tickets they had sold. The charge is absolutely ludicrous. So a Christian couple who owned a bakery were sued out of business when they refused to bake a cake for a pair of sodomites. But now tech companies can refuse to do business with people merely if they do not like their politics. Christogenia's PayPal account was dropped without notice on May 31st, over two months before Charlottesville. Other organizations, such as the League of the South, had their accounts dropped that same week. These companies are not taking the initiative to drop these accounts. Rather, it is organizations such as the SPLC or the Antifa who complain to these companies in order to instigate the termination of these accounts. That's what's really going on. Then, when they are successful, the SPLC makes news of it, 
characterizing it as an appropriate moral choice. Nobody stood up in that manner for the poor Christian couple who used to own a bakery. At Christagenia, we have been Namecheap customers since 2012, where we have had all of our domains registered since one-on-one internets unceremoniously closed our accounts there for anti-Semitism in July of that year. So this isn't the first time these things have happened. And we have had over 70 domains registered at Namecheap. I think it's 72. Recently, the CEO of Namecheap, Richard Kirkendall, issued a blog post defending his termination of accounts held by the Daily Stormer website. He used a rather juvenile comment made at the Stormer, which referred to stuffing Jews into ovens, and I'm sure that not even a Daily Stormer takes themselves seriously, as well as an invocation of the events in Charlottesville to justify his decision. I left the following comment on his blog. I am a Namecheap customer since 2012, and I have over 70 domains registered there. No more. As I get time, I will slowly migrate every domain away from Namecheap for this decision alone. The Constitution and the American founders never quantified hate speech for good reason, because now all political speech, all opposition political speech, may be described as hate speech. Immigration arguments, the desire to preserve European culture, these things have been American concerns since the founding of the Republic. But they are now suddenly classified as hate? Dissidents, whether they can be thought of as righteous or unrighteous, no longer have a free voice on the Internet thanks to decisions just like this one. As odious as one may think that the Daily Stormer is, you, addressing Richard Kirkendall, have helped to set us down the slippery slope to intellectual tyranny. It's not going to end. The left, and notably the Antifa, were instigators of all of the violence in Charlottesville. I know because I was there. But while the events of the day were still unfolding, the media already began repeating a narrative which blamed the right-wing protesters themselves. Then they had made a woman who was obviously blocking traffic and climbing atop vehicles in the street into a martyr when somehow she died doing those things, even before the actual cause of her death was determined. So in her name, all the groups of the right are being vilified and driven from the public square, which is the Internet. The Internet is the modern version of the public square, and it should be unlawful for companies to refuse to do business with people of disagreeable politics, just as it was considered unlawful for a bakery to refuse to bake a cake for sodomites. What they are calling white nationalism today was the normal political discourse only 95 years ago and up through the 1950s. And as we have shown, in 2010, the International Court of Justice ruled that Kosovo should have autonomy and self-determination based upon traditions and culture, ethnicity, 
historical ties and heritage and a sense of identity or kinship, among other things. But now we are considered extremists and demonized for having those same convictions in America in 2017, only seven years later. If people on the right do not assert their rights, they are not going to have any rights at all. So how do we even begin to assert our rights on the Internet? When has it come under the control of private corporations? That is a problem which we must address. PayPal should be forced to do business with us, just as Christians are forced to do business with sodomites. The Internet, initially invented, developed, and constructed with public funds, should be treated as a public utility and not merely for the political and business interests of the currently prevailing political parties or for those who presume to dictate morality to the rest of us, wishing for themselves to be gods. And with that, we will hear from Mike Delaney. Well said. Good evening. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Good to have you. Oh, very well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, I, I tell you what, <laughs> this is uh, this has been quite an eventful year. Probably I haven't seen this kind of uh, action, well, in the 10 years I've been awake to a lot of these issues. Um, I'm sure there's some old-timers out here that think that things are going on right now uh, pretty pretty lively uh, and comparable probably to, what, the 60s era? You know, I haven't seen so many cops with riot gear and <laughs> irrational screaming Negroes since I left prison. It, it, <laughs> Yeah, you're right. This that the events in um in, in Charlottesville and New Orleans and other places harkens to the '60s and the anti-war protests, or the '50s and the civil rights protests. But now it's going way beyond civil rights to the absolute oppression of white culture and civilization in favor of the aliens that we gave civil rights to begrudgingly 40 years ago. Or 50. And let's face it, right now, the line is clearly drawn in the sand. It It is absolutely clear to pretty much anybody out there. Now, we were talking about this earlier. The enemy has declared open war. It's not covert anymore. It's not, oh, I can't really see this. The, the anti-white agenda is absolutely clear. The cocky whites out there that still are trying to deny this can still see it, but don't want to admit to it. And uh, they've made it clear. That, I mean, this whole Charlottesville thing, that, that was the perfect storm. You had a, a Jewish mayor, a, a Black Lives Matter militant Negro assistant mayor, and then a mystery me police chief and all the other higher-ups and, and all the way up to the governor, you know, willing to do whatever they can to fulfill an anti-white agenda. I mean, like I said, it was a perfect storm, and... and it was almost a military operation in a sense of how they set up the rally to, I mean, man, every, every which way was, it was well done on their behalf, you know, and I got to say that our people did very well in a sense that, um, you know, aside from this car issue thing, which uh, they, they've taken that way beyond bounds of anything legitimate. 
Let's talk about that, Bill. I don't know if you discussed that. I, I got to listen to some of the, the show last Saturday about this, but this whole car incident that they're blowing out of a portion, they, they want to declare this domestic terrorism and, and attach that, like you were saying earlier, attach that to us as uh, somehow. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've looked at that video footage, and anybody else has, and some people say this guy was you know, leftist or whatever, regardless of that. This guy comes down the street, he hits the brakes, and people are attacking his car. He goes forward, he rams into the other two cars, trying to get out of there. Uh, you know, a 20-year-old kid, right? And they attack his car from the rear. Now, for those of us who are old enough to know or look at the history of L.A. riots back in the early 90s, you don't want to be another Reginald Denny. And Reginald Denny didn't even do anything. He just stopped in the middle of the intersection, and they beat the living dogs not out of him. This kid already plowed into a crowd of people. I personally think that was probably the best move he could have done to get out of there. I mean, yeah, he's facing charges. Don't get me wrong. That sucks. A murder rap is probably going to be a hard thing for them to convict him on. You know, when it goes to court, I would imagine. But he, he, he backed up, and, yeah, he had to mow out a bunch of people. But, I mean, this idea that he was just uh, doing what the Muslims do, and mostly in Europe, right, where they're just mowing people down and in the streets just blatantly trying to murder them. This is clearly not the case they're trying to point out. And I like how they're trying to make that relation, like, okay, if we're going to call Muslims terrorists now, well, then look at the white domestic terrorists, which are even worse. And they're right here right now. You know, we're not even chipping them in. They're already here. So. Well, well clearly, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, in the wake of the... Um, Black Lives Matter protests where, where where they were clogging highways and threatening passing drivers. There were uh, several cases where protesters were hit by drivers who were scared and the courts had ruled in the favor of the drivers on several occasions. I think that happened in Arizona and, and if I'm not mistaken it may have happened in Georgia or, or somewhere else. I don't remember. Minnesota, I believe. Minnesota. Okay. Well, well, there we have um, state law. The, the the state level, we have case law that that shows that these drivers should be favored. There is evidence on video, I believe, that this car was being threatened. Absolutely. I mean, it was being attacked, and they showed that he hit his brake lights before he hit the car, the two cars in front of him, and and people in front of him. And uh, they showed as soon as somebody came and swung a bat at the bumper, and who knows what they were doing in front of him, too, you know, that he took off. And, yeah, I mean, at best I could see a manslaughter charge out of this, you know, because, well, just because of the circumstances. That's at best. And, um, but not you know, necessarily I don't know, Wisconsin has. Not yeah, not a murder, a not a domestic this, terrorist murder rap. I, I, I don't believe, it, it's my opinion, I don't believe this woman was hit by the car. The, I, I'm, I'm going to publish a picture, a photograph of her on the roof of the car that was hit. Not the car that did the hitting, she's on the roof of the car that was hit. And that car plowed into a minivan when it was hit. A minivan that was in front of it. And, and there were people, there's images of the street as this car was barreling down the street. And these two cars that the gray car had plowed into were surrounded by protesters. 
And this woman, that this Heather Heyer woman, is laying on the hood in front of the driver's seat of this vehicle with her hands clasping the windshield so that she would stabilize herself so as not to be thrown off the vehicle. That's not something that someone does who was just thrown, who was just hit by a car and thrown onto its hood. That's not what somebody does in that instance. Her hands are clearly grasping that windshield. Somebody that was just hit by a car but with serious injury wouldn't have the state of mind to do that immediately after the impact. It looks like she saw this gray car coming and grabbed the windshield because she was laying on top of or on the hood of the second car. That's, it seems to me like she put herself in this position. She, I don't believe that she was thrown up onto this hood. I'm going to publish a high-resolution um, photo with, with the podcast this evening. And this is a peripheral issue. But, that this woman, put her, this woman put herself in danger. And she's not being given an, any of the culpability for it where courts have clearly ruled in in recent years that people protesting in the streets if they get run over it's it, by scared drivers it's just oh well what were you doing there <laughs> intimidating drivers and protesting in the streets and and clogging the traffic so it 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 would be a travesty of justice it it's already a travesty of culture that this um obese social justice warrior is being glorified for, for participating in these criminal acts but it's a travesty of justice if there's a conviction that comes out of it in my opinion well and, and you're right too if you look at the well in comparison to her in the way that she supposedly hit there and I don't know what to make of it either I mean it certainly looks weird in a sense but just I even just take the story for granted for what it's told, and, and still there's so many things wrong with the whole situation. But if you compare how she was hit compared to the people that are actually hit by the charger and swung into the air, or the, when they backed up and he pinched bodies in between the trucky, it sights like, um, yeah, for her to got her fat slob butt knocked out and killed, it doesn't make any sense compared to the other people that actually got, well, I mean, there was 19 injured, I mean, but... For her to be the one that got killed out, the ones that actually got ran over, squished, and plowed into at full speed by the actual hit yeah, car. Well. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense at all. I suspect she probably and, had and a heart saying, attack. Too, I'm sorry. Right, right. It, no, and you were saying how they're not held uh, accountable for any of their actions. I mean, take, for instance, this Cantwell case where they're coming after him for this, you know, pepper spray. It's the same thing they did in this whole base sick man, which all, everybody's seen on the Internet. The guy, you know, with the helmet and the shield, and, you know, now he's, you know, a Patriot art hero. But this guy, you know, he defends himself with a stick, and then they, all of a sudden they throw all these felonies at him. It looks like the end of the world for him. They're going to just railroad him. And this is almost identical thing we're seeing with this Cantwell situation now where they're painting him. Mind you, they didn't stick anybody up there from Antifa who threw urine, feces, uh, you know, actually acid bombs, you know, I, I, with with uh, with that baked Alaska guy who got hit in the eyes with the actual acid, not just like mace and pepper spray with acids. Uh, nobody gets highlighted from the NFL. I mean, CNN finally did a piece where they're saying they're starting to get violent 
and even though they condoned it, you know, and maybe it's justified because these are fascists and white supremacists. You know, it's it's yeah, it's okay. You know, by any means necessary. Like that the that little Asian thing that runs around with her little group. You know, that they openly state no. that they're going to use violence on us. Right, and and nothing ever gets held accountable on their side. The presence, the 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 presence of people who are opposed to your political views in a supposedly free and open society, the idea of a free and open society is that you can see people of opposing political views and not be driven to violence. It's that simple. That That's one of the, the, the concepts upon which the, the Republic is founded that you are not driven to violence simply because somebody with opposing political views comes into your presence. Our presence well, in Charlottesville triggered these emotionally violent responses from these leftists and they initiated all of it. They initiated all of the violence. I didn't see one act of violence initiated by anybody on the right. Now, I'm not saying they're all saints, but I didn't witness any. And I witnessed... Yeah, I certainly didn't see any videos. And you know, you know darn well that if there would have been a video of that happening, they would have highlighted it. Well, well right, exactly. I witnessed firsthand... Countless acts of violence initiated on the left. The the pepper spray, the urine bottles, the feces, the, the bricks, the hammers, everything that they threw at us, everything that they tried to hit us with, I saw firsthand. And the violence was always initiated on the left. The presence of people of opposing political persuasions is not supposed to trigger violence. The idea of a free democratic society is that people of diverse political persuasions can operate in, 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 in the presence of one another without such a threat of violence. That's the concept upon which that, that, that this idea of a dem democratic republic is based but they don't well the, the media doesn't ask any of those questions or, or make any of those explanations simply because they're contrary to the media agenda well, which is the same agenda that the Antifa radicals have and, and the Black Lives Matter radicals If you turn over every rock of that, you, you always see the JQ there. Well, well yeah, right. You always have the Jew <laughs> behind the scenes. Yes, always. And and this is that this is an example. And I I just saw this about half an hour, an hour before the program for the first time. That this is from the Occidental Observer website. That this is an example of how far gone um, our society is. This title, the, the headline is ACLU Apologizes to Leftists for a White Baby Ad. Leftists this week took to Twitter and other social media to condemn the American Civil Liberties Union of all organizations, right? The, one of the most liberal. For releasing an advertisement of a white baby holding an American flag and the words free speech embroidered on his t-shirt 
The ACLU message that came with the ad said that this is the future that ACLU members want. This baby with this concept of free speech and and an American flag, right? And it's a blonde-haired baby. The ad promoting free speech was denounced specifically because the ACLU spoke of the future and showed a white baby. Leftists attacked it on those grounds, essentially saying that they do not want a future in which there are white babies. Under attack from anti-white progressives, the ACLU retreated and thanked the fringe left for their attacks. The Kansas City Star reported, among other things, that critics blasted the free speech organization for promoting what some said looked like an ad for the KKK, (laughs) simply because the kid was white. A white kid with a flag, one woman quickly tweeted, quickly tweeted, in other words, she was incredulous, right, that they dare speak of the future and show a picture of a white baby. The group tried to control the backlash with a follow-up tweet. When your Twitter followers keep you in check and remind you that white supremacy is everywhere. That's the statement in response from the ACLU. Oops, we screwed up. We're sorry. We didn't want to promote white supremacy simply for showing a picture of a white kid in an advertisement. Fox News described the -the over-the-top reaction as a big lesson in political correctness. So what they are saying is that it is no longer politically correct to be white without even a a political profession. Just to be white is no longer politically correct. That's incredible. Yeah, they broke the cardinal rule. I mean, you have to have mixed race. You have to have non-white in mainstream advertising. It has to be that way. It cannot be explicitly white unless it's... Now, if she would have had a a black step-daddy or gay parents or, you know, two lesbian rabbis that were jacking her up on male hormones, it would have been okay. I'm sure. But, you know, not a nuclear type family, white daughter, blonde haired yeah, it was just way too uh, in, implicitly Americana and white. <laughs> but, well, well, when when, when uh, that is basically treated as a crime, something as innocuous as an advertisement with one white baby in it, and that doesn't wake up mainstream America. What the hell will? And and this plays out on Fox News and in the Kansas City Star, and and there's no widespread w- widespread dissent to to things like that. People just go along with it. I, I guess it, it's hard to. Re- I don't. I don't know. I don't know, Bill. If you look at the numbers these days, I mean, if you look at comment sections. Usually YouTube's actually a pretty good gauge of this because comment sections are just that's such a big site they just don't have the filtering they they want to have you know like an individual websites especially newspaper type sites you know Houston Chronicle or whatever have you they have the manpower per viewer to make sure they police the sites like I don't know you know it's like whenever you look at Yahoo ads they somehow have enough policing to make sure that nothing goes on the comment section that shows uh, any dissent, but 
I tell you what, just the the vibe I get from all the comments I see and anything that's free flowing, any mainstream site that's free flowing, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, uh, and and those are the ones that don't catch. You know, it is a lot of people dissenting amongst the stuff. You, you, for instance, you look at the thumbs down and thumbs up rating. Now, YouTube will go out of their way to artificially inflate the thumb rankings, the view counts. I mean, they'll go down with the view count if it's something that you know benefits our side and vice versa. But like I said, you, you get to these comment sections and they just they can't keep up. There's a lot of dissent against the stuff. We just don't have a voice. I mean, we, you know, the big Jewish media machine certainly isn't going to let us parade around any victories or, or widespread dissent. They want to squash that. Henceforth, this massive, massive uh, tyrannical censorship going on on the Internet right now, I mean, with, with everything that's going on. And it's not something we haven't seen before. Like I said, you and I have both been kicked off one-on-one and GoDaddy, PayPal, you name it. We've been through all this. But right, we've been going through it for years, high. right? This is new to most of the all right. We've been going through this for, for five years now. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's nothing new. Um, I, I think they're probably ramping things up. I mean, going as far as taking Stormfront down and Daily Stormer, and they're, they're just taking them down now. Well, no, I, it's actually not even as bad as when, when, for instance, my personal case when they took ProThing.org off of GoDaddy. It wasn't nowhere near as big as, as Daily Stormer is now, and yet the Daily Stormer CEO, or, or sorry, the GoDaddy CEO comes out and says, we really do appreciate free speech, and free speech is great, and blah, 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 blah. I forget what, he, he tried to somehow collude that Daily Stormer is behind the violence at Seaville, right? And that's their excuse to take it down, is that the site was promoting violence, which is a heck of an improvement from when I was on there. Just you know, just simple anti-Semitism got me got me the boot, and they locked my domain. Uh, and then, as you know, I moved over to one and one where you were at, and then we both got booted from there. And then they locked my domain because at that time, well, I think it's still the same, but you can't move your domain from uh, one register to another more than once, I guess, in sixty days. And since I got kicked off of GoDaddy, went right to one and one, they kicked me off right away, and then they locked me out of my domain for. It was like five weeks, six weeks, or something like that. My whole site was shut down, just like Daily Stormer. Stormfront is now, but uh, well, well, right. same but thing. At, at that mm-hmm. time, one and one didn't even tell me why they terminated me, and I had four servers that I leased there. What, which is right. no small yeah, customer, mean, right? I I think it's different in the sense that the mainstream. Well, first of all, this movement of people being aware to, a, to some of the race issue, to some of the JQ issue, so on and so forth has caused this to be on a bigger, grander scale to the point where you even got people like Tucker Carlson calling out you know, the, the Daily Stormer and, and quasi-defending it for, you know, for all intents and purposes, but uh, that certainly didn't happen with you know my website or yours, and back in 2009, um, no, we just we were weren't big hitting. enough, right? We just weren't big enough. That's the way it is. Right, right. They they they, they threw a shoe on us before we could even get that big, <laughs> before we were allowed to get that big, right? Um, but yeah, the 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 internet censorship machine is um, it's on high. I don't know. It goes through a cycle of this every four to five years or so, and they really hammer down. But I think they're really truly afraid at this point that they feel they have to 
somehow permanently purge this stuff. I mean, everybody out there is is on board with this. Um, I guess except for the Gab website, but uh, I mean, they're not necessarily a big mainstream site in, in comparison to like Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and you know, even Apple and all these guys are, are knocking people down, but it's a pretty big scale of uh, censorship. And at this point, more so than five years ago, um, there's a lot more people on the Internet that are dependent on that to get this message out. I mean, as, as, as far back as five, you know, five years or more ago, we were, I remember passing out lots of DVDs still then, and I don't even really bother with the DVD stuff anymore, but... Well, Christianity is fairly esoteric, and and it is a Christian website first, so perhaps, perhaps I won't attract their attention as much, but um, I I did hear from my internet service provider last week about another site that I host, and I simply moved it, and and that means that down the line I will look for another internet service provider, and as I need new servers, I will move the sites that need new servers somewhere else if I could find a better company that I think is going to stand up for me which is impossible to find it really is I had to move a website one website that I host last week because it's alt-right and white nationalist and it received a complaint because it was the website for one of the prominent groups at the Unite the Right rally so I just moved the site and, and avoided any and any trouble. It was only one website, so it was no big deal. That the um, the Daily Stormer is down, Info Stormer is down, Stormfront is shut down. Even the Jewish alt right site, the right stuff, was down, but now it's back up, right? Occidental Descent had to move. Altright.com I heard had to move, which was Spencer's site. The League of the South had to find a new new hosting. Occidental Descent has a, an, an article on, on its website that reports that it had been denied service by PayPal, DonorBox, GoFundMe, Patreon, Discus, and Donately, as well as the typical and, and routine censoring by Facebook all in the last couple of months. It's been deplatformed by a whole bunch of companies. Apple, Cloudflare, Discord, Facebook, GoDaddy, GoFundMe, Hostime, HostGator, Instagram, Kickstarter, Network Solutions, Patreon, PayPal, Reddit, Spotify, Squarespace, Twitter, WordPress, and YouTube have all been in on this. But of course... TalkShoe. Yeah, TalkShoe. Just about everybody in Christian identity has lost its TalkShoe accounts and it's talks you call pages including myself not that I have cared about it for the last couple of years but it was there and and it still had a lot of my podcasts on it right seven years worth of podcasts eight years worth of podcasts were, were posted there I didn't lose anything because of course it's all posted at Christagenia but it, it it's still a a diminish a diminishing of our presence on the internet there's no doubt and a lot of people lost their talk shoe pages that don't have another alternative, which kind of makes me happy because most of them are clowns. But I still don't like that they <laughs> lost their talk shoe pages. Just like I, I, I don't have any love at all for the Daily Stormer, but I don't like that their website was shut down. Or, or Stormfront, but I don't like that their website was shut down. This is dangerous. 
and 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 it's not going to end with white nationalists just this past week it was reported that D. James Kennedy Ministries. D is just an initial, right? I don't know what it stands for. D. James Kennedy Ministries. And I went to their website, and it's a rather mainstream and universalist Judeo-Christian ministry site. They've sued, just August 23rd, they filed suit against the Southern Poverty Law Center because the SPLC has labeled this ministry, which just loves its Negroes and its Chinese, they've labeled them as a hate group because they're anti-LGBT. So they're a hate group. So freedom of religion will certainly die along with freedom of speech is the line is not, if the line is not drawn hard and fast. But freedom of religion has already suffered greatly from a lack of freedom of association, which we see in the case against the bakery in Oregon. They, they don't have any freedom of association so that they could practice their religion. So there really isn't a freedom of religion either in this country. Well, if you're Muslim or Hindu. Or a Jew. Or, or a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> if if or you're a Jew, Jew you're about the only one that could openly practice his religion. Yeah, it's open war. It's uh, well, it's like you said, and they're trying to shut down free speech. Well, I mean, it doesn't take too much uh, common sense to, to uh, see where that's going to come to uh, in the long run, you know. So, well, while I was motivated today, I never post anything there. I think I got like one short paragraph posted there. That there is a um, a Christagenia page at WordPress.com. It's christagenia.wordpress.com and and I posted a short article on the front page of Christagenia just this afternoon seeing all these websites go down around me that if anything happened to Christagenia to check christagenia.wordpress.com and I will keep my readers apprised of developments there because I'm not going to be taken off the internet I'll reappear on the internet in another place under another name and post all my material under the new name and and start all over again and 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 start the process again. But I'm not going to be yeah, taken off the internet. For, uh, the same goes for ProThink.org, and I think we'll probably. I mean, I'm so obscure at this point with that website that they probably wouldn't even look at it. But if, if well, you need well, to that's, find Bill uh, Flatter Mine or. That, that's the the problem is obscurity. I I I made this article on Charlottesville, and and presented it here in a podcast last week. And and for five days I couldn't find it in the search engine in Google. All of a sudden it's appearing, but it was appearing in Bing and Yahoo just after a couple of hours. And and usually my material appears in, on Google after only a couple of hours, but this didn't. It was a long time before it appeared on Google. Even so, there are. Censorship is really ramping up at Google, YouTube. Right, but now they seem to have backed off at a minute. It 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 started appearing. I noticed today, Charlatansville and my last name, Charlatansville and Fink. That that's um not a very common search term, and they're not words that you're going to find all over the internet on the same page, right? I mean, they should have come right up all week. And and Google, I actually had a few people in the forum check it out and and they had the same results it wasn't coming up on google for for at least five days it didn't come up on google 
So that that's Google may be experimenting. I, I don't know, but that they can filter out anything that they don't like already, and and they have been doing that. That they've certainly been doing that. So did certain websites. Well, talking about this. We're talking about this. I think uh, a couple shows back, it was either you and I, or maybe it was somebody else. Um, of how they've already created algorithms for censorship on YouTube all the way down to uh, their videos. Uh, take, for instance, when you put a song in your video, they already have uh, the, the servers listen to all the audio feed in your video, and if it picks any kind of song that's already been copyrighted, it'll flag it instantly. Now, they also have this, so if you put a word in there, like either spoken or written, it can read that on the screen, flag it. So if you put the word Jew on there or fag or something like that, it'll automatically flag it in their system. And I don't know exactly what they do with it, if that gets scaled to you know an actual person there or if they just take it off the search engine from there and put it at the bottom of the line. But they have all these algorithms, and they have for a couple of years, and this has kind of been the quiet censorship phase that they've been doing. And like you said, with, with taking you off search engines, uh, not just within the YouTube community, but right on Google as a search engine, taking you right off the, the results there. So they do have these algorithms, and they've been trying to do this quiet censorship tyranny, and then they're just, maybe that wasn't working fast enough. It's too many people are waking up to what's going on. Well, well, I do know that YouTube is not counting views for many videos. They're just not counting views. I, I um, experimented with this last month, with some of my own videos that that have had hardly any views for for a couple of years now, and that these videos I I know that they have to be seen at at least once in a while. I have people comment on them or or, or link them in my own forum or I link them in my own forum, and and I see the pages where I put my videos on in my forum. Those pages get hundreds of views. I would expect the video that I posted, which is the reason for the pages being there, to have hundreds of views. If the page itself has hundreds of views, so so these videos that they might have forty views or fifty views after two or three years, and and I go watch the video and notice that the the counter doesn't increment. So I go to a different computer and do it, and the counter doesn't increment. So I go to my, my, my cell phone and play it, and the counter doesn't increment. And there's nothing I could do to increment the counter. It doesn't matter where I play it from. The counter doesn't increment. And, and I've noticed this um, several times with my own videos and with other um, right-wing type videos, that some of them, the counters just don't increment. That YouTube I, has them personally like frozen. Wit- Bill, I personally witnessed the first incident of that happening. It was this early December 2007, so this is almost 10 years ago on YouTube. Wow! And it was a video I made. Yeah, it was a video I made um, dissecting. It was kind of the birth of missing links. It was a video of the, the infamous Fox News clip where it said. Uh, evidence of these Israelis being involved in 9-11 has been classified and they've said they invaded all these different agencies and were in all the woodwork. You know, it was a very telling piece at that time to make the case that Jews did 9-11 and I dissected this whole thing up and I did about a, I know at the time you could only do 15 minute videos so it was like 14 minutes and um, 
I'm on the phone because it had hit 125,000 views in a matter of like three days. I mean, it went viral pretty quick. And I know that sites like at the time, Rinse and what really happened, it picked it up and promoted it and a couple other big name sites. Well, I'm on the phone with a guy that I was an activist with in the 9-11 community down in Milwaukee. I wasn't in Milwaukee at the time. And I'm like, wow, you got to see this, man. It's you know, a hundred and a quarter thousand here. And he's like, oh, let me pull it up. And he pulled it up. He says, well, not quite, but you're almost there. And he says, 96,000 on his end. And I'm like, no, I'm looking at it. I said, go ahead and refresh your page. Hit F5, you know, so you cleared her cookies, you know, which didn't make sense because he hadn't, he hadn't looked at this on his computer yet. He said, no, it still says ni- like 96 or 97,000. And I'm like, man, I'm looking at it. It's like 125,600, blah, blah, blah. And I hit F5 on mine. Sure enough, it went down to 96,000. And it did that because they was trending on the front page or I don't know if it was actually on the front page but it getting so much traffic that they knocked you know the 25,000 views off of it right there in front of my face like I hit F5 and boom there was you know damn there 30,000 views just gone wow and that was the first time I ever seen that and I was like are you kidding me <laughs> like I was blown away like they're playing games like this or that you know actually well, I mean back then too you could get a video to go viral there wasn't just billions of videos being uploaded but yeah I they they started doing that and then what 2000 early 2009 is when they started openly teaming up with the ADL and henceforth the uh the necessity for a video site came a couple of years later but yeah they've been doing that for quite some time where they've been messing with the uh the accounts, uh, the accounts, the they're doing that really bad. Well, that was you know, that, that's, now. that's what happens when you have Satan determining what the the limits of free speech are, and that's exactly what's happening. Right. How can we? I, I mean, people on the right sooner or later they're going to have to get more active. Uh, I mean, these people just sit around on Facebook. And, and post in circle jerks and, and they never get off their asses to do anything outside of Facebook. That seems to me to be a great deal of the people on the so-called right and people in Christian identity. What we have to devise strategies whereby we can at least um, attempt to open up or keep an open narrative online. We have to, if, if, if we're going to keep our message alive, people have to become more proactive. And, and we need to um, state our case in, in public venues on the Internet, even if we have to go to the venues of the enemy, like YouTube and, and the mainstream media sites and, and the newspaper sites and places like that. Yeah, absolutely. you got to... I don't know if people are just getting worn out from doing that or whatever, but you have to keep hammering away at this stuff. And and quite frankly, doing it on the Internet is still a very easy thing to do, whether or not you got to sign up for an account. I mean, we're not <clears throat> we're not talking about the old days where you had to print out a bunch of carbon copies of flyers on your uh, you know, your old printer and, <laughs> and go out and hoof it you know, miles and miles and miles around farmland just to pass out a flyer of information. It's still... A heck of a lot easier these days, even with the censorship going on, to get their message out. Yeah, these but, silly uh, people spend all their days posting memes on Facebook. They should be posting those memes on mainstream media sites, um, university websites, wherever they could post things. 
um, forums that are not right-wing or Christian identity forums, that they should be posting these memes in Jeep forums or, or, or AR-15 forums or, or, or hunting and sporting forums, that they should be posting these things. And let them get thrown out. So what? Well, perfect perfect uh, case of this. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know I'm into drones, right, into flying these drones. And when I did the big swastika on the flying drone, I uh, that hit the drone community big. And I, you know, I even created a sock puppet so because some of the boards that I was active on, um, you know, that I didn't want to burn my original account, so I created a sock puppet and I posted it everywhere. Uh, and it opened up a lot of conversation into the... Uh, and there's a lot of Jews into these drones, unfortunately, too. So it was it was uh, it was quite the triggering event with these guys. But I, I have seen, uh, for instance, recently one of these big channels that have a um, oh, what do you call it? They have a big uh, drone channel. That's all they've ever focused on. And I was pretty ecstatic to see that this guy had came out to basically point out that there's an anti-white agenda and that this Antifa is a terrorist group, and he's not going to stand for it anymore. He didn't want to get political, but he had, he completely stepped out of his box, and he had a pretty big subscriber count. Now, he didn't name the JQ, and he, he wasn't really hard on race, but it, it was cracking there. You know, it was definitely, it was opening the door quite big, and so it was good to see that that happens, you know, here and there. Well, we need more of it. Absolutely. Well, we, we we have to develop strategies where people are proactive outside of Facebook and Twitter. In, in Facebook, you, you, you can only reach your little circle, however many friends you have, and, and maybe some of their friends, and you're limited to that. And if you try to step outside of that boundary, it's it's you're being suspended or your account's terminated or whatever. My, my William Fink account's been terminated. It, it's been suspended seven times for 30 days since the beginning of last year. So, so I could basically only use it half a year, right? <laughs> that, that's um, that's the way it is. Every time I step outside of my own little circle, and what good is it if I'm only preaching to my own little circle? We have to take this argument in favor of free speech to the to the media and and plaster it all over the media and and challenge everywhere we can that these decisions that that destroy our right to express ourselves on the internet because the internet is a um a modern day public square it's a public arena it's not a private arena they're trying to treat it as it's as, as if it's an arena that's solely under the purview of private companies, and it's not. No, no. They. Uh, what's your thoughts, Bill? And, and I've heard arguments from people saying that they should nationalize these big, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitters and, and turn them into a a public utility. Well, well, right now we have um, public utilities that are privatized, right? Mm-hmm. The the public took these utilities and and that that were built with public funds and public public bond issues or whatever each util however each utility was built, however each electrical grid was built in each state or or each gas grid or or each railroad system that these were built 
to a great extent at public expense, even when they were built by private companies, the public is giving up the land and and to to give these companies the right of way and and the public is making sacrifices that the internet was developed by the public all of the technologies that um that became the internet were developed by the United States government and universities that were working together with the government and some private defense contractors in order for for the old ARPANET to be built, which led to all the technology that gave us the Internet. The first Internet web browser was something called Mosaic, and it was developed at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign in 1993. So the, the taxpayers of Illinois contributed a great deal to the costs of developing the first Internet browser. It's that simple. So these things should belong to the public that that sacrificed the greatest amount of tax dollars and resources so that these things could be developed. So the Internet should be treated as a public utility just like the electric grid, just like the water system, just like the the, the the gas, the the natural gas systems in our cities. It should be treated as a public utility. Now, that doesn't mean that the public has to take the property of the internet back from the private hands that, that, that profit from it and, and that invest in it so that it could be developed even further. I wouldn't advocate that. But it should be regulated just like any other public utility that's in private hands. It's that simple. To make sure that private companies don't end up dictating who has and who has not a voice on the internet. And to make sure that the laws and the rights of the people of the nation where the infrastructure has, happens to be are upheld. That's just common sense. So that that's I mean I've heard other people speaking of that same thing, but that's the only sensible position on the internet. Now as for particular websites, those websites are created solely by individual companies. Facebook is a private company. So that, I, I mean, I know people aren't going to like this, but Facebook is a private company and Twitter is a private company. And when you use the resources that belong exclusively to a private company, you really do have to use it on their terms. I wouldn't let a nigger right. post an article on Christogenia. I just couldn't do it. So, so, you know, I understand that when I use Facebook, even though I don't like it, that they have a basic right to censor me, to censor my account, because I'm using a solely private vehicle to express my views. If you were in my house and 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 started saying anti-Christian things, I'd ask you to leave, right? Because it's my house. So that the individual websites are a different story, but the internet itself. All of us should have the right and the ability to play on it on equal terms. So that's a different story. So, 
So in other words, to sum it up, for instances where we're being censored with our domains getting locked and uh, being bumped off of hosting companies for hate, we should have the same kind of recourse that they impose on us when they ask bakeries to make a fag cake. Absolutely. That's what, that, that's what my whole right. point is here tonight. How dare PayPal tell me that they won't do business with me? How dare they tell me? If I owned a bakery and some faggot came in or if some Negro came in, I don't want to sell them a cake. But I know that if I don't sell them the cake, my bakery is going to be taken away from me. PayPal should be taken away from its owners because they refuse to do business with us. That's only fair play. Right. All the, These are businesses. They can't deny you any more than a gas station can deny selling you gas because they don't like red cars or blue trucks. Oh, you got a pickup truck. You must be a redneck racist. We ain't going to sell you no, no gas. What the hell? So yeah, PayPal should have to do business with us. They shouldn't be able to suspend us. Just like that Christian couple with the bakery had to either make that cake for those dykes or, or for those lesbians or whatever the hell it was. I forget what it was exactly. Or or, or they would be sued and, and fined and that's what happened. And they lost their business. Along with a couple of hundred thousand dollars. So how dare yeah, PayPal these days. How how dare PayPal refuse to do business with us? How dare an internet service provider refuse to let me put a website there and exercise my right to free speech? How dare they? Our problem as a... Um, how do I term this? Our problem as... What we're not a party, what we're, we're not, what we're a political expression, right? White nationalism, Christian nationalism, what we're a political expression, a religious expression. Uh, our problem is that we're not assertive enough about our rights. Our problem is that we don't have a, a BCLU, a bigots civil liberties union. We don't have a, an RDL or, or a racist defamation league, right? That's our problem. Well, we don't have teams of lawyers. We're not organized at, at that level. And that's what we need in, to cope in today's world. But we don't have it. We don't have the resources because we're haters. That's our problem. The, the, um, the people that do have the resources are out supporting the kosher conservatives like Jared Taylor. Ben Shapiro and Milo and yeah, right, and those clowns. Right, they're adopting, not adopting little Somali babies and bringing them home in their rural communities. Absolutely, to show how not racist they are, or just pecker puffering while claiming to be a white nationalist like Greg Johnson. <laughs> I'm sorry, my, right. langu exactly. my my language is racing to the bottom, but it, it's a topic that that really, really irks me. It it really bristles my ire. I can't help myself. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.
Unless you have something else to say, I'm sorry. I, I thought no, that, was, that about covers it. It's uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no, that about covers it. I thought that was a good note to end the program on. Thank you for being. Thank you for being here, Mike. Uh, and yeah, but. praise Yahweh.